You're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense with your host, Doug Thorpe. Here's Doug. Hello again, everyone. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm your host, Doug Thorpe. And today we're going to talk about the idea of clarity. Clarity is a word that you've heard me use in uh, this show and in my blog many times. I often talk about leaders needing to be clear about what they're doing, but also companies need to be clear about what they're doing when it comes to branding. And my guest today is an expert in that field. Her name is Chrissy Bernal. I started to say Christy, and that's there's no <laughs> T there. But uh, Chrissy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Yeah. So I always like to ask my guests to give us first a little bit of a backstory on the journey you were on and uh, have been on that led you to kind of where you are right now and what's the motivation behind what you do right now. Absolutely. Well, you know, honestly, it was my identical twins who shaped my career. While I do have a formal background and education in marketing communications, it wasn't until they were thrust into the global spotlight that it really kind of got the ball rolling and I really had my direction. And so when they when they got thrust into that spotlight, I thought, okay, we need to do something with this publicity because this is worldwide publicity. And even though they were only 10 at the time, something inside me just said, they're going to want to use their personal brands when they're older. So do something with it now. And I had already had the wherewithal when they were six to get their domain names. Either they were young, it might've been younger than six, but I got their domain names for their first and last names. And so now obviously they can use them, but it was through that personal brand building that we did those those years that have really shaped what I've learned. And I'm able to now combine that, you know, real world knowledge with what I learned in school to help other people do the same thing. And um, the cool thing is uh, we've actually been going back and forth this week with Guinness Book. So they are uh, they, got, they gave the girls a Guinness Book record or two of them, actually. And so they've got a feature coming out. So obviously branding works when you do it okay, right. Well. <laughs> Let, let's let's explain a little more detail to everybody this story real quick and not to get too far off the topic, but what was it that made your twins uh, hit the, the global stage? Yeah, so my twins are a really rare set of identical twins in that they don't look alike. And so what happened is one of them had mutations that happened. So she actually has a form of dwarfism called primordial dwarfism, which is an extremely rare form of dwarfism and fewer than 100 people in the entire U.S. have it. And uh, so it was just extremely rare for them to be identical and have this particular set of, uh, of genetic oh, mutations. Oh, my goodness. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, the, you know, I didn't even know that they were rare until uh, somebody contacted us. And I'm not even sure how they found out with somebody in Houston. And so uh, Sienna was the cover of the Houston Press's first full color magazine. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, so, and again, I don't want to get too far off topic, but um, just to continue to sort of level set, I mean, I'm I'm definitely a layman in that field. I, I never had twins in my <laughs> life. I've had a lot of kids, but none of them are twins. Um, what is it that makes them be declared identical, but they don't look alike? Because I think most well, of us think about that, that that's what yes. they, how they come so out. The term identical is 
really kind of simplifying things and actually pretty inaccurate because identical twins don't really have to be identical. Um, it's really just monozygotic, just one egg. And so it's just monozygotic. It's not as easy for most people to say, and it gets a little complicated. So I think we simplified it by saying identical and um, it just has to do with the egg and all that. <laughs> oh, okay. I see. I see. Well, and, and so how old are they now? They will actually be 24 next month. So oh, I've been wow. doing this a while. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So what, uh, what is it they're doing with their personal brand at this point? So Sienna has her own jewelry company and she actually has a modified, a modif uh, monetized TikTok account, which is awesome. Um, unfortunately, she doesn't like TikTok very much, so she doesn't do it. But <laughs> um, and the other one is a country artist and she's in Nashville. Oh, wow. Well, that's really, really, really special. Now, did they, um, as they were growing up being twins, did, did they have that mystical connectivity <laughs> between the two of them that so many talk about? They did actually have that twin connection and uh, they lost the same teeth at the same time. They would sleep in the same positions, even if they weren't in the same room. Yeah, all the all the freaky things that you hear about. <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. My uh, my niece and her husband, he's actually my nephew and his wife, but uh, we consider her niece. Uh, they yeah. have twins and they, it, it's been interesting to watch them come up and, and they fit the traditional definition of identical from birth. They, they look so much alike. They actually, as infants, they kind of had to be perpetually marked to <laughs> be sure they kept them apart and didn't inadvertently confuse them. Yeah. And switch yep. them. And, as, and they're uh, seven years old now, I think, and maybe eight, but um, they're starting to demonstrate a little bit of variance that you can, if, if yeah, you know them well, you, you, you can tell them apart without tags and, and labels <laughs> being applied. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, but it's been an interesting and fun journey with them. Well, let's get back to the branding story. So, yeah. and, and I, I said in the intro, we were talking about clarity. So give us your spin on this idea of clarity when it comes to brand. So, you know, I said that that it was their journey that really kind of helped get mine going as far as my career, because I started doing it for other people. But it was at this one particular event, which I had been doing it for years. So I thought I, you know, had everything labeled out. I thought I knew what I was doing. But I, I can say I did feel like I was a little scattered and kind of pulled all over the place. And so I went to this mastermind of this billionaire out in Las Vegas. I was able to go. I had won um, a ticket to go. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to afford it because it's a rather expensive mastermind. So I was so excited about the honor of getting to attend this. And it was only about 12 of us in the room. So it was nice and intimate. He asked, you know, for everybody to get up, say what we did. And I had been networking before. So I had done, you know, done elevator speeches and whatnot. But I got up and I said what I did. And at the end of it, he goes, I don't really know what you do. I was mortified after that because I thought, oh, my gosh, I just babbled in front of this billionaire who now has no idea what I what I do. And so it made me stop and think, OK, I've got to get some clarity here. So I figured out that it was three things that once I nailed them down on the clarity side of things, everything else fell into place. And so it was clarity on my vision, clarity on my messaging, 
and then clarity on my offer. So those were the three things that once I nailed those down, everything else just fell into place like, you know, Legos or, or whatever you want to call it. Okay. I'm going to have you repeat those three one more time. Clarity. Absolutely. So clarity in your vision, yeah. clarity in your messaging and clarity in or on your offer. Okay. I'm going to be quick to say, uh, I, and I'm thinking real fast. I'm run, rolling through the Rolodex in my mind of, of current and past clients. I think people are reasonably good at talking about vision, although they don't probably nail a vision statement per se, but they've mm -hmm. got, if you talk to them a while, they can pretty well uh, tell you why they started the business they've yeah. got and what they want to achieve with it. But I think past that, it does start to unravel. I think the messaging about who they are and what pain points they solve or serve and, um, you know, the, the rest of the story tends to break down for sure. Absolutely. And that third one, the offer, it, you, you would almost say, well, that's obvious. Well, no, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, and that was my problem was that while I knew the things I could do, I didn't have anything in place that made it easy for people to do business with me. It was kind of a, well, let me see. I'm going to have to put something together. You know, it just, it took a lot longer than it should have sending out proposals. It was such a waste of time when I could have just said, okay, I've got these options that you can pick from. This is my wheelhouse. And, uh, the, you know, this is how it is. It's one, two, three, easy to work with me. And, um, you know, one of the things that I like to do is follow the story brand method, even when it comes to following the uh, offer part, because he says, Donald, Donald Miller's who I'm referencing, the guy who uh, came up with story brand. Yep. He says, you should keep it down to three to four steps on how somebody does business with you. And of those three to four steps, one of them should be the success. Like what does it look like after they get done working with you? And that way, you are showing them kind of the transformation in that one, two, three process. And so once I you know, got that situated, whew, that was so much easier. And, you know, I work a lot with authors and I see this with authors while they have the vision for what they want their book to do as far as the audience goes, they don't know what they want to do with their book past that. Do they want to use their book to help get speaking gigs? Do they want to use it just to get it in people's hands for free? Or do they want to sell it? You know, what is the actual vision? And, um, you know, like you said, most people can kind of tell you why they started. But I have found that once you really dig deep and, and, and go even further, like keep asking, okay, why then? Why then? Why is that then? Why is that then? Um, and one of the exercises that I did, which is also from Donald Miller's uh, Business Made Simple side of things, this one was so hard. It was to write my own obituary. Mm, that yeah. really helped me get a really strong vision that was more than just surface stuff. You know, sure, I want to leave a legacy. Sure, build an empire. You know, those things are great. But get down to the nitty gritty. What do you really want to do? And what do you want your obituary to say? And I tell you, I had to do that multiple times because that was tough. <laughs> bet. Yeah, that's not an easy one. Um, what... Um... So we put all three of them on the table. As you meet new clients, what what is usually the the most difficult for people to start with? 
So usually it's the messaging. The messaging is all over the place. And while they understand their overall theme, it's all the other parts that have come like out of whack. And a lot of times they have put themselves as the hero in the messaging rather than focus on what life can look like for their client after they use their service or product. And that is the number one issue that I see. And so it's a lot harder um, to wrap your mind around. I'm not sure why we have a hard time as humans wrapping our brain around it. I think because we still want to be the hero. <laughs> but um, once we can make that shift in figuring out, okay, what does my um, audience want their life to look like after dealing with me or using my product? That's what they're really going to respond to. And so that's what you have to focus on. It's not your name. Of course, your name is a big part of it. It's not your awards that you've won. They don't really care about that initially once they start you know building more curiosity they they will but you know it's that initial hook where they want to know what's in it for me because we're humans and we're pretty selfish yeah Yeah. (laughs) well i i agree with you and and i happen to be a fan of of don miller's work as well and i i do like the way he frames it and i do think it's important we we've got to kind of flip the script we tend as when I say we business owners and entrepreneurs, we tend to think of our solution as, as, you know, (laughs) the greatest thing that that's out there. And then, you know, why wouldn't you sign up to use me or buy my service or buy my product? But that does put you in the hero's seat. And as Miller describes it, you know, you think about all the great classics, um, you know, the, the character, the central character is the hero and what he inevitably has, he, she inevitably has along the way is a guide or a, a spirit that comes along and shows them the way or shows them the bridge or the key or the treasure to unlock this great power that the hero needs to win the day. And, um, the hero in the story needs to be our customer, not us. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, that's the guide. If you look back at all the movies like um, Karate Kid, you know, any of the Star Wars ones, the guides always do have tremendous authority. There is a lot of authority and empathy there. So you can still look awesome as the guide. So, you you know, a lot of people are afraid that they're going to diminish their authority by removing themselves out of the hero side of it. And that's not the case at all. (laughs) Right. Right. It is. a, But but that is a difficult mind shift. And I know I um, a couple of years ago, I spent some time on an engagement with an organization of very seasoned business leaders that were now kind of in the second half of careers trying to leverage what they did. And, and we were having huddles trying to build a new website and to, and I pitched to them the Don Miller approach, you know, let's, let's think of our market as the hero and, and you're just the guide. And I, I did, I, I, I was intentional in saying you're just the guide, (laughs) (laughs) not to contradict your point, but I thought it was important for them to get their head around that. And, and they, they couldn't, (laughs) I mean, they had a hard time. It's yeah. like, no, I'm great and mighty, and I've got all these great solutions. Yeah, but that's way old school. That's that's Park Avenue, 1958, Mad Men. You know, that's <laughs> that's not the way we do this anymore. 
Yeah, you know, the the mind shift, the mindset of uh, customers has really changed. And especially after the pandemic, everyone is a lot more, uh, not heart led, but um, they're more in, inclined to go off of their emotions more so than they used to, even though I, I think we always ultimately have gone off of some sort of internal emotion. Even if you're just hungry and trying to decide which fast food restaurant, ultimately you're going to go, it's going to feed one of your other emotion, you know, internal right, right. things um, like Chick-fil-A, you know, sometimes that just like does your soul good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's just people are different now and we want more and expect more out of brands than we used to. And, you know, it's really becoming also where you've got to have that sense of humanity, you know, the human aspect to it. Um, because people just are demanding it. They want to know that there's a face behind this giant corporation and not just a giant corporation that doesn't care about them. So in this process of trying to nail down your clarity, what do you say to the entrepreneur that is, and I'll, I'll qualify it like more of a service business, like, like a coach or an accountant or, or um, attorney and things like that, where, they can legitimately say, I can stand in many squares and help and serve from all the squares on the checkerboard. You know, I can do that. But obviously, what is that, 64? No, 144 squares. I forget. I forget my <laughs> checkerboard. Um, that would be a very muddled message to to try to say that. But I have run into people where they say, I'm afraid to put my flag here in this square because the next guy that asks me about two squares over, I can work. I can serve them. I can, I can help them. And I don't want to lose that business. How do you, how do you help wrap that into the right story? I, you know, that's a great question. And I see that a lot. And I know a lot of people are afraid to kind of narrow things down. And, you know, I was, I was guilty of that myself on trying to do everything. Um, now I, while I still can do a lot of things for people, my messaging just makes it, you know, kind of appear that I do these core things. Then once I start working with someone, yeah, okay, if you need help with other things, then let's talk or I'll point you in a direction of somebody who can do that, that sort of thing. But my initial, you know, attraction that somebody is going to have is for those core things. And once you get those core things where you're doing them really well too, that's how you're going to scale because then you can start to outsource, you know, outsource some of the work or hire on some team, you know, somebody to come do some of it for you. Um, it, but if you don't nail down something with like, what's your overarching, what makes you the most money right now? If you don't do that, you are going to hurt yourself in the long run because you're going to prevent yourself from scaling. It's, it's just, it's way too hard. It'd be like trying to trying to stack all the pieces on that that checkerboard all at once and not drop it. It's just very hard to do. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a good point. And, and the normal uh, pushback on that voice that says they can serve all those squares is the, um, the old adage that says, man who chases two rabbits catches neither. And... Um, <laughs> Um, you know, and uh, people who listen to my show have heard me say this. I, I confess I'm still in my own practice. I'm a little bit bifurcated. <laughs> I haven't niched down. I've got a lot of clients that are fortune 500 executive, uh, leaders and managers, but I also do work with small business and I 
have an equally robust practice doing that. And, you know, do I, do I love one of my kids more than the other? No. <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Well, you um, know, when it comes to the other aspects of things, because you can have, you know, the other things, like you're saying, the other aspects, like I have two wings of my company. And so each of them has their own messaging. I do have one overarching messaging mm -hmm. message, but if you just go ahead and get messaging for each of the products that you're talking about or each of the services you're talking about, that's going to help you still have that clarity that's not going to be confusing and you won't feel pulled all over the place. So like, for instance, if I'm going to talk to a bunch of authors, I have my messaging for my authors. I also work with, like you said, small businesses. So if I'm going to go talk to them, I already have my messaging established for talking to them. So yeah. that way I don't feel chaotic. I don't feel unprepared when I go in. It's boom. I know exactly what I'm going to say. I can feel confident and uh, they can also get a lot of value. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Chrissy, we're up on time here to do a, a quick wow. break. It's a commercial break. We're not done with the show yet, but we're going <laughs> to we're gonna insert a short commercial here. And when we come back, we're going to get a little more into this idea of ways to establish this clarity for your message. So hang with us. We'll be right back. Business is all about solving complex problems as fast as you can create them. Become the best problem solver by leading others to greatness too. And the first step is going to DougThorpe.com. DougThorpe is known globally for coaching entrepreneurs and business leaders, improving their performance and the work output of everyone surrounding them. You can find health, wealth, and happiness by learning to lead others to health, wealth, and happiness. Go to DougThorpe.com now and order Doug's books or hire him to coach your managers. That's Doug, T-H-O-R-P-E.com. All right, everyone, we're back. This is Leadership Powered by Common Sense. I'm Doug Thorpe, and I, my guest today is Chrissy Bernal. We're talking about clarity in your marketing message, or clarity in your marketing brand, I should say. Message is just part of it. So, Chrissy, while we are in the, the green room, we were talking a little bit about websites. That's usually everybody's thorn. They um, <laughs> they. I think business has evolved enough. Everybody knows you need one, but what do you do with it? And what uh, what is your primary advice for owners that are out there worried about that? Absolutely. That's a great question as well. I know websites are a pain point for a lot of companies and a lot of times it trips them up because they feel like it needs to be perfect or it needs to be ex you know exaggerated. It needs to be fancy. Really, it doesn't need to be fancy. It doesn't need to be perfect. Although, you know, try and don't, don't do it. Don't be sloppy, you know, but, <laughs> but it, the main thing is that it needs to be clear, clear about what life's going to look like for your customer, what it is you do, how they do business with you or how they can obtain your product or whatever it is. And then just keep it simple. You know, if you have a video of your product or your service or you introducing your service, that would be great because then that brings in the human aspect of it. But if you can't do that, then it's okay. You know, just do the best you can, put something up for now, and then put something on it and see how it's going, like track it, um, put a heat map of some sort, and then see, is that message working? Is that call to action working? Is that video working? You know, where are they going? Are they clicking where you think they're going to click? Because sometimes you could put something out there and you think it's exactly where people want to click, but then they don't click there at all and they click somewhere else. I had uh, that recent recently with a client She's had the same website for about a year now, and we have been watching the heat map, 
and no one was clicking on the call to action whatsoever, but they were clicking another uh, thing up in her menu. And so I thought, okay, well, clearly that's what they want. So then we need to make the CTA that instead of having it up in the menu. So once we did that, a lot more activity started to happen because we were giving the audience what they were looking for. Interesting. Interesting. So this thing you call a heat map, is that a, a, a tool that can be applied to a website? Or? Yes, that's a great question as well. It is something that's pretty easy to apply. You don't really need a lot of coding experience or anything. Um, I have used them on both Wix and WordPress, so I know those are pretty easy. I don't know about Squarespace. I'm sure Squarespace has a nice um, integration, but uh, I like to use one called Smart Look, and they do have free options, so you don't have to pay for something. Of course, they have fancier options when you pay. Um, there are other heat maps out there, though. I know Neil yeah. Patel talks about one, so you could just Google heat maps. Yeah. Very neat. Well, closely related to the whole idea of your website presence is the um, activity on social media. Everybody, you know, it. all you got to do is click a link or turn a page and you're going to hear an argument about <laughs> Facebook is better, LinkedIn is better, Twitter's good, Instagram, blah, blah, blah. And it goes on and on and on. And, and, as an owner, you can just drive yourself crazy trying to decide what your social media strategy ought to be about. Any thoughts on how you uh, address that with people? Absolutely. Well, you know, those three things I mentioned earlier with what you need to get your clarity on, once you have your clarity on those three things, then really make your social media messaging really filter through those. So make sure that you're using the same pain points that you've already established in your messaging. Make sure you're not talking about 700 different things. You're just talking about, you know, your core things. Um, and people need to be able to glance at it really quickly and know what you do, especially your Instagram profile. Like if they go to your profile, they need to be able to see on that grid what it is you do rather than having to fumble around or even go to your website, you know, just to find out what you do. And um, I, I know it's frustrating. Mm -hmm. So my advice is don't worry about doing what everyone else is doing. Do what your customer is going to resonate with. So if your customer is on LinkedIn, but none of them is on Facebook, then don't worry about Facebook, you know, especially if you don't have time. I would rather somebody pick one or two social media platforms and then just rock them than to try and spread themselves thin and have yeah. the same message on every single platform and it gets boring and you're going to get bored. <laughs> so yeah, just pick one that you know you can do well and where your audience is, go with, go with that one. Yeah. Then, you know, maybe as you start to feel more comfortable, you can add in some others. Yeah. You know, there's just so much going on. Of course, there's all this speculation on what Elon Musk is going to do with Twitter, <laughs> and uh, nobody has a clear line of sight. I know he just announced a, a new subscription plan for verified profiles. Yeah. I don't know how that's going to fit. I mean, well, I'll go on record. I guess personally, when I saw that, I said, if that's what it's going to take, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to use that. Um, I mean, I personally find it a little bit disenfranchising simply because it's another fee that somebody's going to have to pay. So if, you know, if I'm sitting here looking at my bills going, am I going to pay $8 for Twitter or am I going to buy this baby formula? 
I'm going to buy the baby formula. You know, I know that's a rather extreme example. Well, no. but $8 but, here and there adds up. <laughs> but, well, I did the quick math. I, I call it $100 a year in an operating budget. And on one hand, you say to yourself, that's nothing, but, but it is something. And, um, what's your real benefit out of it? What are you really getting for that? And if you're, I don't know, I'm, I'm probably rambling too much on this topic and I don't <laughs> want to derail what we're doing, but the idea is if, if you can't build that credibility with content that people realize you're, you're a real deal and you can be cross verified on in other ways, yeah, um, that's that's another great point, because it, it kind of takes the authenticity away from, you know, that check mark that, you know, it's like pay to play. And I'm personally not a big fan of pay to play. Right, Exactly. So, you know, a smart shopper is going to find you on one of those platforms and then go check elsewhere and see if you exist in the same form on another platform. Mm -hmm. And you're right. If your message is 180 degrees opposite, then people are going to be confused. But if it's consistent and and well stated consistently across all those platforms, then they go, oh, yeah, OK, well, that's the person I'm expecting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I, this I don't know why it just popped up in my head, but when you were talking about being afraid to kind of niche down, this is something that I learned a long time ago. And once I put it into practice, it really is interesting to watch the change. But your messaging should attract your ideal client and actually like like dispel the ones you don't want. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I can tell you that once I did that to my own messaging, I don't have quote unquote, bad clients approaching me or wanting to get a proposal. Hard and kicker. so, yeah, it's like they they don't even do it. Um, and or, or people who I know aren't aligned with my core values, right. they don't even approach me because my messaging doesn't speak to them. And so it saves me a lot of times, a lot of frustration, a lot of, you know, lost energy in that dealing with, a, you know, somebody who's just not fun to deal with. And <laughs> I, I just I can tell you that it makes it makes life much, much better. Yeah. So do you, do you have a, a, a framework on the way you help a client work through this, this achievement of the clarity on all three parts? We do. I do use combinations of some of the Donald Miller stuff, whether it be the story brand or his communication made simple framework. Um, I also use some stuff that I have pulled upon in the past for myself and like belief statements, getting those in there as well, because once you can put a belief statement in your messaging as well, a lot of times that will resonate with people. And um, if it's not a statistic that maybe resonates with them, but your belief statement does, you know, depending on their type of personality, then having both of those available in your messaging toolbox is going to help. Elaborate on that belief statement. What would that look so, like? It's, it's sort of like your why, but like for me, um, I believe women should embrace their worth and confidently pursue the success they desire. That's my belief statement. And so I primarily work with women. So that resonates with women a lot. And I have a statistic that goes along with it in case I need to throw it in. And so that statistic is that um, female entrepreneurs tend to make 50% of what their male counterparts make. So that's really, really infuriating for me, which is why I believe women should embrace their worth and confidently pursue the success I'll, they desire. I'll be honest. I'm a little shocked by that. And I'm, I'm not arguing. I'm, I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, that's 
that's a kind of a number that's been around the corporate world for a long time. It, it's been obviously over the years better than 50%, but it's still less than male counterpart. And is that really true in the entrepreneur world? That's the, that's what most, the most recent data shows, but I do feel like it is on the uptick and um, it's, it's going on the uptick quickly. And I think it's because we're all like, wait, <laughs> that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but you know, I, I think along that line and, and I'm, I'm probably going to really get myself in trouble. I'll get some letters on this. <laughs> but uh, however, I'll, I'll preface by saying most anybody that's followed me for a while know that I tell the story. I'm I'm a product of a, a single working mom entrepreneur. And uh, that's where I got my fire for being an entrepreneur was watching her do what she did. Um but what I was going to say was, I think one of the contributing factors, and I've actually had several guests on the show talk about this, that I think women may challenge their own worth in the marketplace and therefore, quote, lower fees, lower oh, prices, and, and accept it that way. A hundred percent. And I am full on guilty of that. Um, I did that so much in the beginning and, you know, it really took a lot of examining as to why I was not embracing my worth, which is why that's part of my belief statement, because I realized that um, if you would have looked at me in high school, you would have thought, oh, she's certainly going to be, you know, building an empire after school. But then the, so there were some things, some traumatic things that happened earlier in my college career. And that really caused me to lose sense of my worth. And I had to really work hard to rebuild that wow. and realize that, no, I, I, I am providing tremendous value here. I don't have to give it away for free. I can do good things and make money at the same time. It's not selfish because I am providing so much value. And I think you're right. Women do tend to want to give things away or just be nice. And, you know, I have found that you can still lead with value and provide value and still make what you what you deserve. Yeah, that's really important. And again, I, I go back to the lesson I learned from my own mom. Um, well, number one, she quit her day job and, uh, when I was like in fifth grade to go start a business. So that was pretty gutsy That's at the awesome. time. And I didn't even realize what it meant, but certainly did later. And, and then she went through her own quandary with pricing and such. And um, the, the quick story on what she did, she was an interior designer and she started with residential design because you know that's what you do i mean people want drapes and sofas and you know all that good stuff and um but she quickly realized she was getting beat up on price and squeezed and she was invited to do a design for an architectural firm of all places and they were building a new building and um, she went in and customized everybody's office Wow! and made it very personalized. And there was a huge citywide premiere that this guy that was the principal in this firm was pretty well connected and he had a huge blowout open house. And uh, she was, she was the centerpiece of the whole open house. That's awesome. And that just skyrocketed her business. And I'm sure all these big movers. And this was over in San Antonio where we lived at the time. And all these pretty influential people were calling her saying, I want you to come do my office. And then, That's then it awesome. was, I want you to come do my business. And 
she ended up decorating a chain of food stores. <laughs> That's amazing. That is awesome. Um, I love it. Um, it was it was quite a trajectory. So. That's really cool. You know, Ellie, I, I know a lot of women struggle with trying to figure out how to price and whatnot. And, you know, I'm not suggesting that if somebody's just starting out that they go at the top tier pricing. Absolutely not. No, you got to get your feet wet. Um, but don't allow yourself to get taken advantage of either, you know, kind of weigh it out. Um, even, even now, I will still reduce my price, but I won't reduce or I won't uh, keep the same amount of tasks or whatever that I'm doing. But if, if it's somebody that... I really am jazzed to work with. I'll figure out a way to make it work because it's going to feed me internally yeah. to work with them. And so that's, again, another way that I can still give value and, you know, um, and not have to give everything away for free. So, um, and when it comes to figuring out when to raise your prices and whatnot, um, I've, I heard somebody say this recently on LinkedIn and I wish I could remember who it was, but he said, remember when you're raising your prices, that you might think you're at the top of everybody's budget, but I guarantee you, you're at the bottom of somebody's budget. And when he said that, I was like, you know what? He's right. And, you know, that when you do raise your prices and you have it so that you can provide enough value and make your clients feel good and, and you're giving them VIP treatment and all that, then it's worth it for them. They, they will gladly pay. I mean, my clients are amazing and they, they know that I'm there for them to support them. And uh, it just, I just, once you are getting what you are worth, then you're, you're going to provide a whole different level of service. So, and I know that kind of goes off topic, but. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think it's important because that pricing thing is a, is a big deal for overall success. I, I heard a similar version of that. Um, somebody was quoted as saying that, um, if you're looking at a competitor who has priced themselves much higher than you, chances are they're not smart enough to know the difference and, <laughs> and you're the fool for accepting a lower price. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I thought, well, that was a real interesting spin and, and <laughs> to think about. Um, but uh, well, one last question, Chrissy, if, um, if someone's been rocking along in their business for a while and they're kind of doing okay, but they feel a little bit stuck or plateaued on their market effectiveness and their ability to scale, what would you say for them about, you know, getting off the spot and, and moving forward with this work on building better clarity? Well, if they already have the clarity and the vision and their messaging and their offer, if they've got those established, but they're still feeling kind of stuck, it's then going to be time to look at what they're actually doing in their day to day, because it might be time to either hire someone or get a virtual assistant or part time help or intern something, um, because it while, you know might, might make them take a, an initial financial hit. The what it's going to open up for the long run is going to well out so out. Mm. Uh, that and I I learned that one the hard way too. I didn't want to let everything go and no, I can do it all. No, I couldn't do it all. <laughs> I had to hire uh hire some help to make you know do the things that maybe weren't as worth it for my time, like smaller tasks that really didn't need my brain for um yeah. you know things like that, or you know, somebody who wants to learn how to do those things, it, those are great people to hire in. And um, but yeah, I it it feels like a really hard jump initially because you're like, oh, that's an extra bill I'm going to be paying. 
that's operating from a desperation mindset and we should never do that. Yeah, no, I agree. Well, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing this with us. If people want to get a hold of you and ask more on a one-on-one level, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Well, if they forget everything and they remember my name, they can Google my name and and a lot of things will pop up. But uh, my website is chrissybernal.com or my company website is beabetterbrand.com. And, um, you know, I'm on the various socials. I'm not always as active on all of them because, like you said, it's, too time consuming. And I, I do the ones that I enjoy doing, honestly. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, uh, you know, as we're taping this, we're coming up close to year in 2022. And I always remind owners to think about coming up on a year end is always a good time to reevaluate your position and plan, ask yourself what's been working and what's not, and what can you change? And this is definitely one of those areas that is so vitally important. So I hope people will put that on their very short list of things to do at year end here to um, really take a hard look, ask themselves the question of whether or not you've got the clarity on those three key areas. And why don't you repeat those three one more time for everybody so they got it. Yes, it's really important once you nail down the clarity in your um, vision, and get, get granular on it. And I'm not talking just, I'd love to build an empire, get granular and then uh, clarity on your message and then clarity on your offer. Offer. Okay. Well, thank you again, Chrissy. This has been yeah, great. Thanks for really having appreciate me. Appreciate it. Thank you. I want to remind everybody that if you're listening on your audio streaming service, we do have a video of this show and uh, you will get to see Chrissy's amazing red hair. By the way, <laughs> uh, uh, You can hop over on the video and check us out, but uh, would appreciate you going over to YouTube channel is the same name leadership powered by common sense, subscribe and leave us a comment and let us know um, what we can do for you in the future. For now, we're going to sign off, say goodbye. I hope to see you again real soon. Take care. Awesome. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.